So, yeah, um, if you haven't met me yet, my name's Dion. I'm here um, learning from Caleb and Sarah and, and the rest of the church um, to, to be a pastor, to be a church planter. And I'm just uh, super excited to be here and super excited to be able to um, share what God's uh, laid on my heart today. Um, so if you would pray with me, um, that's what I'm going to do right now. Father God, we thank you so much um, um, for just how great you are, for how great your love is for us, um, that you would uh, send your son um, to die for us on the cross and to rise um, so that we might be able to live um, eternally with you and um, have a relationship with you. Um, God, I thank you for keeping everybody safe getting here this morning um, in the snow and the, in the um, very cold weather. Um, and uh, thank you for keeping us warm. Um, and God, I pray for everybody that's not here. Um, thank you for their wisdom of staying home, um, not, not taking the, uh, the risk um, that they... Um, <laughs> that they know that they um, would have been scared about. So God, I just thank you for everybody that gets to join us this morning, and um, we just want to worship you, we want to honor you, and we want to be um, formed to be more like you and to, um, and to just walk in relationship with you. God, we love you, um, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. <clears throat> so what have you put your faith in before? Um, if you've never really thought about this, you might be surprised to hear that uh, we exercise faith in a lot of things. Even non-religious people have faith in things. Like every one of you here right now, yep, nobody's standing. You sat in the chair that you sat in. You didn't check the chair. You didn't look up reviews on Amazon. You didn't see if it was going to collapse when you sat in it. You sat in the chair and you had faith that it was going to do what it was supposed to do, correct? Yeah, all right, cool. So we exercise faith. You, get, you have exercised faith when you get on a plane, you think you, you trust that this plane, is, this big tube of metal flying through the air, miles up in the air, going hundreds of miles per hour, is going to take you to the destination that you're going to get to safely. We exercise faith in the people that we do life with, with your husband or wife or with your friends or with your roommates that they're going to clean. We exercise faith daily, probably every hour of the day in something. And there's essentially three levels of faith. I was listening to a podcast um, from Ligonier Ministries. It's a reformed um, like ministry. They put out content. Anyways, they talked about three levels of faith, um, or three stages of faith that you essentially go through. And the first level is knowing, okay? And so that's the information. Let me give you an example. I could give you information. I could tell you that I am a ninja. I could tell you that I studied under Mr. Miyagi. My name is Dion Sun. Um, that I uh, have a black belt. I could tell you all these things, and you know that information. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you believe it. So you have made it through the first level, okay? You know that I am a ninja. The next level is believing. And so then I start to tell you more information that is a little more convincing or showing you evidence. I'll show you that I'm wearing a black belt, so that makes it a little more believable that I'm a ninja, right? <laughs> wearing a black belt. Uh, show you some cool kicks. Now it's pretty clear you guys can believe that I'm a ninja, right? Okay, now the next level is trusting, or doing, or having faith in. Now, for you to exercise the, the faith that I am a ninja, you would either have to hire me to protect you against a band of raiders, uh, or you would have to, to fight me, which I don't fight, so sorry. <laughs> uh, but that, so there, essentially, there's three levels of faith. That's what I'm trying to get across to you. And I think that as believers, as Christians, um, we struggle to get past that second level. 
we hear that God, we hear about God, we hear that he's good, we hear that he you know, has sent his son to die for us and, and, um, so that we can have eternal life, and we hear information about God, we know that he's the maker of the universe, and then we start to see some really cool things happen around us. We start to read the Bible and be convinced um, that the truths in the Bible are true. We start to um, be around Christian people and be like, this God is true. We start to believe in it. Um, but I think the jump to that third stage is really hard for us. Um, that podcast I was talking about called this, these three levels having a 3D faith, a three-dimensional faith. And so my prayer today as we walk through um, our passage, Luke chapter 9, uh, verses 10 through 17, um, is that we could have a three-dimensional faith, that we can see um, how to uh, not make our faith a lever that we turn on and off so that we sometimes can trust God and sometimes can't, but so that we can put on a lens that we can look at our life, um, both the past and now and in the future, that we have faith that God is going to provide. Um, and so we put faith in a lot of things. We put faith in ourselves. We put faith in other people um, for various reasons. Uh, we, 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 we want God to provide, um, or, we, or we, we have put faith in other people to provide um, food for us. We put people, faith in our jobs to um, pay us so that we can put gas in our cars to put food on our tables. Um, we also put faith in ourselves um, to uh, make sure that we can be happy, we can be eternally satisfied, we can um, have peace in life, and we, and we put that faith in other people as well. Um, we also have faith that we are going to be able to have the gumption, the motivation, um, the ability um, to do the work that God has called us to do. And I think that I, and I think that we all, probably on some level have struggled with those things, if not all three of them, probably one or two, two of them. Um, and I think that, well, I know that God wants to fill all the gaps here. Um, God wants us to live in a way that he is allowed to, that we allow him to, and that he does satisfy and provide peace that all these things can and will be provided for by him. He provides for our soul's longings, he provides for our physical needs, and he provides us the power to do the work that he wants us to do in building his kingdom, to do the work that he's called us to do while we're here on earth. And so if God is a provider, why do we experience this lack of faith? Okay, so I want to go back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. Um, everybody knows the creation story, and if you don't, we're about to tell you. God created everything the way that he intended. He created it perfect. He created us to be in a relationship with him. He created things to glorify him. He created everything, and he created us, and he created things so that we would be sustained. He, he created us to walk in relationship with him so we'd be satisfied. We would have peace to walk with God. We'd have peace with God. We'd have perfect relationship with him. He provided things for us so that we could eat, and, and he provided work for us so that we could do, and he gave us all the power to do those things. And then humans, in their selfishness, decided that they wanted to be like God. They decided that, or we decided that we want to rule over our own life. We wanted to put faith in ourselves. We wanted to put faith in things outside of God, and so we caused, or humanity caused sin in the world. And so all things bad, okay, think about it. Uh, selfishness, greed, oppression, uh, Mondays, below zero degree weather, um, all things bad came, came from this. And anything in and of ourselves, any actions that we do, cannot fix this, cannot fix this cycle. And because we put our faith in so many other things, um, 
it just falls apart because, like I said, we can't do anything in and of ourselves to fix this cycle of sin to get us back to God. We're convinced in our fallen condition that we're kind of a part of a dog-eat-dog world that we have to fend for ourselves, take care of ourselves, defend for ourselves, put food on our tables, and we do. We do have to provide for our families. We have to provide um, for ourselves. Um, we, we convince ourselves that we have to create our own truth. We have to convince ourselves that we can do things or, or have things in our lives that will provide us that inner peace that our soul longs for. But we're supposed to look to Jesus for redemption in this. And so that's my goal today as we walk through this passage. And so read with me Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then, they took, then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Okay, so it says when the apostles returned. So earlier on in this chapter, and Caleb talked about this a couple weeks ago, Jesus had given the disciples the power and the authority to go do kingdom work, to, to go do what Jesus usually does, to go do what they have seen him do, to drive out demons, to heal, and to preach the kingdom of God. That's what they just got done doing, okay? Doing things that they originally would have thought impossible. And they were withdrawing to a place to be alone. Okay, so if we read in the other Gospels, this pretty much lines up. Jesus is always going alone to be praying. He's always either coming from or going to be alone to pray. And here, the disciples just got doing the work that Jesus does. And so here they are modeling Jesus' life even more. They're going to go be alone to pray and to probably debrief of what just happened. It says, But the crowds learned about it and followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. And so Jesus was on a pretty big mission when, in his life here on earth that was a minimum of three years. And so eventually, word kind of gets around to all these towns that he's going through. People hear that he's a good teacher, that he's even healing people, um, that he's kind of preaching a, a, a kingdom, a new kingdom that will overthrow the, the, their... their um, perception is that he's preaching a kingdom that will overthrow the oppressive government um, that is kind of shoving them down and not letting them um, live their lives. And so people follow him. They, they want this. They want to be healed. They want to be fed. They want to have eternal life. They want to not be a, feel oppressed. And so they follow him. And we see that Jesus, when, he, when they come to him, he doesn't shoo them away. He doesn't say, hey, no, I need to go pray, and we need to go do this, and I'll hit you up later. He welcomes them. He welcomes them, and he, and he teaches them, and he, and he serves them. He doesn't just say, hey, uh, you guys are cool. Uh, subscribe, hit the like button, um, but i got to go do something else. He welcomes them, even though he obviously had some sort of agenda going on. So I think that's just pretty cool. Um, verse 12 says, Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. And he replied, you give them something to eat. So they're in a remote place, all right? Uh, they're outside of a town um, that is not, also not a very big town. It's a fishing town, so probably not many resources in the first place. Um, and the disciples, probably out of a good heart, are like, okay, Jesus, you said your piece. You did your thing. They need to eat. So, like, like cut it short. Go. go. <laughs> Let them go so they can go eat and find a place to stay because we're out in the middle of nowhere right now even though they've seen Jesus do so many things and, they've, and, they, and Jesus has impacted them in such a way that they were able to do big things. And so 
it's kind of crazy to me that they're telling Jesus what to do in this situation. Um, so first suggestion is don't tell Jesus what to do. Um, <laughs> but like I said, they've forgotten what they have seen Jesus do and what they've done themselves. And then Jesus asks a very, very large question of them. And they answered him, that we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for this crowd, which was about 5,000 men and their families and kids and all that kind of thing. So it's 5,000 men, probably over 20,000 people. You know, you try to count everybody, you're like, I uh, can't count one. Just count the guys. Okay, that's, that's what we'll do. So 5,000 men, all right? Picture that, plus their wives, their kids, everybody else. And Jesus tells them to feed them. And they have five loaves of bread and two fish. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. And if we go to another gospel and read in the gospel of John, we see that the food even came from somebody in the crowd. It came from a little boy in the crowd. And we also read in the gospel of John that it would take more than a half year's wages for, to have enough food to just give everybody a bite. Not so that everybody could eat. Like, when I eat, I don't just like eat a chicken sandwich from McDonald's on the dollar menu. I eat. And, these, and so it would take them over, probably over a year's wages to make sure everybody could, could eat. Um, so just building the picture that like, this is impossible. How, how is this supposed to happen? We have five loaves of bread and two fish. That it's not even technically ours. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everyone sat down. Taking the loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Well, it happened. Something crazy, miraculous, if you will, happened. Despite their disbelief, the disciples obeyed. They did what Jesus said. They had them all sit in groups in 50. Jesus took the food that they had and thanked God for it, despite it not being enough, despite it outside of, being outside of their comprehension of being what they needed to accomplish the goal that God wanted them to accomplish. Thanked God for it, even though it seemed minuscule. And then he, gave, he then gave the food back to the disciples and they distributed it. And everybody ate to their full and there were leftovers. You see, in this passage, I see three areas of life for three kinds of people um, that God provides for. And so the first one is the need of our souls. You see, if, if we don't put our trust in Jesus, then we're constantly chasing something else. Like I said earlier, God created this world to be perfect. We messed it up and so that we can't do anything in and of ourselves to get back to God so that we can have eternal peace, have eternal enjoyment, have, like, have eternal life with God. We can't do anything in and of ourselves to make that happen. And so we do this thing where we chase, chase different things to make sure that we can. We try and fill that hole that God is supposed to fill. We try to, we, we, we pursue our hobbies, we pursue um, relationships, we, we pursue um, just anything that we can to make us feel fulfilled. But anything that we do in and of ourselves to try and fulfill ourselves we just make that sin worse. We draw ourselves farther and farther from God. And so we know that our sins can't be removed by good deeds, um, but we also know that God paid the price for our sin. God sent his son in the form of a human, in the form of a baby, 
to die on the cross, to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins so that we could live eternally. And then he rose again three days later, showing that he has power over death, that he does have power over sin. And so we can trust in him, and everybody that does trust in him will have eternal life. And so this is the kingdom of God thing. He says that he teaches about the kingdom of, or taught about the kingdom of God. And so that's what that is. It's, it's, it's God redeeming the world, the whole world back to him, his people, his creation. And, and he wants us, once we put our trust into Jesus, to join him in building that kingdom of God. And so that's what it's talking about there. Is the kingdom of God in this short sentence is the rule and reign of God in the hearts and minds of his people. Um, and so the first thing that God makes very clear in this passage is that we can have faith that he's going to provide eternal satisfaction for our souls. I should have put that up there earlier. Um, there's a great quote that you've probably heard before by St. Augustine, um, our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. And so the first thing that I think God provides for us, or that I know God provides for us, is eternal rest for our souls. The second thing from this passage is that he provides the things that we need. And I underlined need because in our society, in our culture, our needs get really blurry. We think we you know, we think we need a four-wheeler, or we think we need six houses, or we think, I, I don't know what it is for you, but we think we need things that we really don't. Now, so, like I said, this is one of the most miraculous things that has happened ever, <laughs> and it's one of Jesus' biggest miracles. It probably goes on, a, on the list with him walking on water, him turning water into wine, um, healing people's eyes with dirt, um, and people who probably haven't read the Bible, and even probably people that aren't Christians, probably have heard this story, probably have heard of Jesus feeding 5,000 people um, with pretty much nothing. And just like that, and just like pretty much people probably know this passage, um, this, what happens, um, what Jesus did kind of brought to mind to the disciples and the people that he fed, something else big that God had done in the past. You see, in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 16, God literally provides food for the Israelites from the sky. He makes manna and quail fall from the sky for people to be able to eat. So people probably know this story, and then God puts it right in front of them. He does not the same thing, but, but the same thing. He didn't make food fall from the sky. We don't know how it happened, and I think that it's pretty cool. We can just let Jesus be miraculous and not understand what happened. But God put history, God put what he has done, what everybody thought is crazy and miraculous right there in their life. <clears throat> and if we go back to the story, we see that God provides the right amount. He commands the people to take as much as they need and not, none more than that. And so we know that God provides the right amount, not too little, not too much. Um, so I'll tell you a little story. I moved here just about a month ago, actually a month ago yet tomorrow, the 15th of January, and drove my little Nissan Juke here. It made it all the way. Um, drove my Juke to between my friends' houses that are here. I drove my Juke. This is a Juke is a car. I'm sorry. That's my car. Drove the, drove the car to church. It was fine. Drove the car to my new boss's house. It was fine. And then after hanging out at my new boss's house, I went to start the car and it goes ding 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 ding. Like oh that's not good. Well let me try that again. Ding 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 ding. Like, oh, sweet. What are you trying to teach me here, God? <laughs> uh, okay, God, uh, heal this car. <laughs> Didn't know what he was trying to teach me there. But the story is this, okay? I got here. The car got me here. He gave me what I needed. He got me to what I needed to get to. 
the car broke down, and I was like, what am I going to do? Like, like literally, like I, I spent a bunch of money to move. I just switched jobs and, and took a little bit of a pay cut, um, which wasn't a, prob- a huge problem. But like, what? this is literally the worst time this could happen. I live 30 minutes away from everything. Um, and one of my buddies from back home had texted me and said, hey, how's it going, man? And I was like, <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you how it's going. Ning, 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 ning. Uh, <laughs> Well, I got to, got to talking, and I told him, like, you know, my car broke down, and so trying to figure that out. And my buddy, he is extremely generous. Um, and he would, hopefully he's not watching. He'd be really mad at me about me telling you this. And you're not going to know his name. But um, we talked a little bit, and he told me to call him. And uh, basically, he offered to financially um, support, you know, help me figure this out. He said, whatever you need, figure out how much the car costs uh, to get fixed, or we can find, you know, look for a new car. I was like, dude, that's way too, way too generous. Um, and I obviously commended him and all this kind of stuff, and let me read um, this text message from him. I should have put it up on the screen. But, um, so I was, we talked on the phone. I was like, dude, you are just way too cool. Thank you so much. I will pay you back, that, all, that whole, de- whole deal. And he texted me probably, I think, the next morning. Oh, it was, it was the next afternoon. He said, hey, man. Just thinking after our convo this morning, do me a favor and don't blow up my head and don't ever feel like you're using us or taking advantage of us in any way. So this is him and his wife. It's all God's money that he's having us manage and if, and if I can use his money to help a brother or sister, we will. I just don't want you feeling like you owe us anything or that we're amazing people. It's God taking care of you, man. But really, don't go telling everyone and giving me a big head, LOL. So keep it a secret. <laughs> Um, but that's, I mean, God provided exactly what I needed at exactly the right time. And I didn't text Corbin. I didn't say, hey, what, you know, could you give me some money? He texted me and said, how's it going? I know you just moved. And I said, let me tell you. And God provided right there. God has been, they have been great stewards of their money and, and God has used them. And they've taken the next step to step out in faith, that third level of faith and believe that God is going to show up and God is going to make it work. And so maybe you're not in need. Maybe you're like, you, maybe you're like my, my buddy and his wife and you've, and you've done very well with your money and, you're, and you've been successful with your money and you have good wealth. And maybe God is, this is your wake-up call to start to give, to start to be generous with your money. Which kind of leads me into the third thing. The power to do. God gives us the gumption. He gives us the ability. He gives us the gifts to be able to do what it is he wants us to accomplish for his kingdom, for rebuilding his kingdom here on earth. So often we look at tasks that God has placed in front of us. Your kid just slammed the door in your face and you takes every little bit of you to not wring his or her neck. You, uh, you, you make friends with a new person and you wanna, you know, you're trying to talk to them about Jesus and they're just a super difficult person like, God, how am I supposed to do this? Whatever God has called you to do as a parent, as a grandparent, as a friend, as a brother, as a sister, so often these tasks come before us and they seem impossible. Like, I can never do this. I, 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 I don't have the best, I don't have a good enough public speaking skills to, to preach. I don't have the good enough guitar skills to lead people in worship, to lead people to the throne room. I don't, I don't have good enough speaking skills to, talk to, some, to actually talk to somebody about the gospel. We do so many things and God has called us so many things that we think no way, but still he's done them. I think God is calling us to offer ourselves and the things that he's given us, offer them to him just as Jesus 
offered the bread and the, and the fish that seemed so minuscule, so impossible to feed this multitude of people. He's asking us to offer ourselves humble and meek for him to do big, miraculous things through us, church. And if we do that, he will make big things happen. So I think that this passage illustrates greatly that we can have faith that God is going to provide, that God does provide eternal satisfaction for our souls, that we can have faith that God provides for all of our physical needs, and that we can have faith that God will provide the power to carry out the mission that he has called us to. And so why do we experience this lack of faith? Well, it's because we're convinced in our fallen condition that we have to do it that it's up to us, that we, ha- that we have to, to develop the gumption to go do these things, that we have to make sure that we have to, you know, buy the, you know, have enough money to get the food, we have to have a job, we have to make sure that, that we are happy, we have to do the things that are going to make us happy, to make us feel eternally satisfied, have peace. But really, all these things have come from God. I want to challenge you to look back on your life, any challenge that you ever got through, and you're here, you've gotten through it. Or maybe you're going through it right now. Maybe life is a drag right now. And I want to encourage you that God is going to get you through it. But I want us to think about faith in a way that isn't that we press a button and then we can have faith and then, then we can believe in God, but I want us to think in faith in a way that we can put on new glasses and see that God has taken care of us so that we know that now he's going to take care of us and that he will always take care of us in the future. And I think that God will set us free from the stress and the anxiety and he, um, that, that comes with putting faith in ourselves and putting faith in things that aren't him. So that we can have three-dimensional faith. And so I just have four actions, uh, ways to pray, uh, ways to approach God that I think are going to help shift our minds and our hearts to be able to have a faith that could move mountains or faith that can trust that God will move mountains. And the first one is to ask, and these all is what I'm seeing from the passage. See, these people, they approach God, or they approach Jesus, who is God, but they approach Jesus, interrupting him, asking him. I'm sure they didn't just follow him and then stand their stone face and just... They asked. They, were, they had wounds. They had diseases. They wanted to be healed. They asked, we hear that you're teaching these good things to people. We want to hear this too. So they, 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 they approached him and they asked him. And so I, if, if you're struggling with, with like, the fact that you don't think God is going to provide for you, I think the first step that we need to take is to ask. If, even if, I mean, if you're struggling to, to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to accept that he is going to be the eternal peace for your souls, ask God to make it more clear to you and ask God for the strength to do that. If you're struggling to believe that God is going to provide for your table, he's going to put gas in your car, he's going to, or you're going to be able to make the next car payment or mortgage payment, ask God to make it happen because God does miraculous things. If you're standing before the work that God has called, before, called for you to do, called you to do, ask God for the strength to do it because he will provide. The next thing is to accept. We live in this culture world system, society system that, it, that, is a, that essentially preaches a dog-eat-dog world that we need to take care of ourselves, that we need to make sure you know, we put away enough money for the future, um, that we, we need to make sure that we uh, you know, care for our own kin, we have enough money in the savings, we have a big enough house. Um, we're just in such a self-care, like take care of yourself society 
that, is, that, that ultimately closes us up to be able to accept help. We become so prideful that we, that we can't accept money from a friend or, or a meal from somebody else at the church or accept advice from, from somebody. But I think the next step here is that we accept the fact that God does want to provide for us and he does provide for us. And the third thing is to acknowledge. Jesus took the bread and the fish, no matter how small it seemed, and acknowledged that this is a gift from God. He thanked God for it, despite it being not enough, despite it being small, despite it like in, within the disciples' comprehension, despite it not being, like the, it's impossible to feed these 5,000 people, but he thanked God for it. So I want to encourage you, in whatever situation you're in that you're struggling to believe that God is going to provide, thank him for putting you in that situation, because I guarantee you're going to draw near, nearer to him. But thanking you for the tools that he has given you, even though they might seem minuscule. God, if I'm struggling to, to speak to this person about a problem, to have a conflict, thanks for giving me a mouth and a voice to be evil, able to even have the conflict. God, thank you for this friend. Or, um, God, thank you for providing for me this job that I can provide for my family. God, thank you for providing me my church family that is here to hold me up, is here to help me out. That's one thing that we so many times forget. We're here as a family. Everyone in this room is under the family of God, and, and we just forget that so many times. So don't ever forget to acknowledge that all these good things that we have, once you've asked and accepted them, acknowledge and thank that they're from God. And the last thing is to act. The last thing is to do or let God do. This is the third dimension of faith that I was talking about. So if God is calling you to go do something really big for his kingdom, go do it. If God is calling you, if you're in need and need money or you're in need and need food or you're in need and need a new car, to ask. Do, do the action. You need to step out in faith and let God do what he does because he does crazy, cool things. And so those are my four. It's ask, accept, acknowledge, act. And you might need to take the steps through it. It might be one of these things or for the situation that you're in right now. But I just want to encourage you um, to move from the mindset that God, that our faith is an on and off switch. It's not on and off switch. It's a lens that we need to see life in and believe that God is going to be there, that God is going to provide for all of our, our needs. And so today as we take communion, I want to encourage you um, to remember God's ultimate provision for us. His body broken and his blood shed so that we may live into God's redemption of all things. That's why we take communion. We take the bread and the juice every week to remember, to celebrate, and to proclaim our participation in what God is doing in ways that we can't quite comprehend. Like five loaves of bread and two fish to feed 5,000 plus people. And so in this passage, it becomes clear to us that we need to not worry about if you're going to eat or if you will ever find true peace, true eternal satisfaction, true emotional wholeness, or if you will have the ability to carry out what it is that God has called you to carry out. Because God's provision is guaranteed and abundant despite our ability to comprehend how. So I hope this passage has come to, or has encouraged you as it has encouraged me today. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you that you are good, um, that you are a provider, 
of all of our needs, that you give us everything that we need to do what it is that you call us to, that you give, it, give us everything that we need to survive, that you give us everything we need to be your children. And so God, today as we worship you um, and as we um, have unpacked this passage to grow closer to you and grow um, greater in our knowledge and our, in our belief and of our, and of our faith in you, um, I just pray that we can be here, uh, that we can go from here and be changed um, and that we uh, can apply this and, and have faith, God. Have a three-dimensional faith in you that you are going to do what you have said you are going to do, that you are going to carry out the mission that you said you are going to carry out. God, we love you, and we just thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen.